need a bigger boat. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Spielberg Chronologically. This is the podcast where I, Jeff, go through every single one of Steven Spielberg's movies chronologically. I don't do it alone. I'm joined, as always, by old penis breath himself, Eric. <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going? It's going well. I had to, I just, I, you know. No, yeah, that's fair. That penis breath moment in this movie is probably the highlight. Sublime. Be- <laughs> it, because of the, the way the mom is both offended and entertained. It's brilliant. Well, um, we watched E.T. from 1982. We're in the 80s, bud. Were we in the 80s last week? No. I mean, not counting. Not not counting counting Poltergeist. Poltergeist. No, I don't think so. Yeah, so, yeah. Raiders was in the 70s? Well, wait. Raiders was 81. So, yes, we were in the 80s. We were in the 80s. We were in the 80s. See, I keep track of things. Yeah, you're doing better than I am. Not really. But I thank s- you. I appreciate you saying it. I uh, sat down this morning and tried to rank uh, what we've watched so far. I didn't get very far because I couldn't remember everything. Uh, it was right, I need right to before do we the jumped same. on this recording. But I want to I start. Mean, it, I want to start keeping a running a running tab so I can insert things where they belong. Let's run it down real quick. Okay, I'm not in a rush. Are you in a rush? No, I am not in a rush. Okay, so I'm going to put number one. I'm going to put Jaws. See there, I'm already losing it. I'm already losing it because. As you know, okay. I've, I've stated on multiple occasions on this show that Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. Okay. Having just watched E.T., and this is why I sat down to do this, and I might derail our rank talk here, I'm struggling because I might like E.T. even better than Jaws. Ooh. I when watching it, I was having a little trouble. I and so I'll just go ahead and put ET number two for me, because uh, I mean, not that it's had much competition yet, but boy, is ET good. There's a reason it blew people's balls off in '82. Yes, and it also created the video game crash of '83 somehow. Now. Yes. Uh, d- that's neither here nor there. This is a movie podcast, I guess. But I am with you. I don't know. And this might change, right, between now. Because like I did for Hitchcock, at the end of this season, we're going to rank them all. Yes. Individually. I mean, there's no way we're going to debate and try to come up with our individually we'll rank them. Um, and right now, I don't know. I'm with you because... I think E.T. is a better movie. I think I it, think it's a better movie. I think it might be. I think it might be a better movie than Jaws. And it it, it kind of, it's one of those things where it's defying a truth about me that I have long accepted. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. saying that is difficult, you know? But I, man... When I sat down to watch it the other night, I wasn't in the mood. I was tired from work, and I was like, man, I just watched E.T. Like, we set up the big screen, like, last year and watched it with the kids. Yeah. And I'm like, it's real fresh in mind. Like, maybe I can get away with not watching it. I was like, no, I'm going to do the thing. No, you have to. this right. I've got to watch it. 
I would break up with you if you didn't watch it. <laughs> so I sat down, and and my wife, having just watched it with me with the kids, bailed. And so I sat down by myself and watched E.T. And, man, three minutes into it, I was in. You know, like yeah. I was fully in for the duration. Um, and, I get, man, I love this movie. Like, it... It hit me at just the right time in my life when I was a kid. Like, I yeah. was 10 years old when this movie came out. And so I was the same age as Elliot is in the movie. I was two, and my parents were getting divorced. But <laughs> I don't remember any of that, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, so at that point in my life, my parents were not divorced yet, but, you know, the cracks were showing. Things in my mm-hmm. house were pretty rough already. Um, and... Uh, and I don't know how much that d- the divorce storyline resonated with me when I was a kid. I think I was just yeah. more interested in, you know, the boy and the alien and the M&Ms and, you know, all of that stuff. But as an adult, looking back on it, like... I, First off, Reese's Pieces. Yeah, my we're, bad. We were going to get letters. Yeah, my bad. Reese's Pieces. Um, it, it's striking uh, how prevalent that theme of divorce is in this movie you know I, I think as a kid I, I didn't really pick up on it and until watching it this time you know with this critical lens you know you see a movie once and it kind of like locks in with you that way you first experienced it yeah and then after that you kind of like let it wash over you you know and so I haven't really thought about E.T. Uh, as an adult I've just re-experienced my childhood experience of watching it all these years so sitting there watching it as an adult, I was a little bit floored by it. You know, there mm-hmm. were certain aspects of this film that either I didn't pick up on or I simply didn't acknowledge before. And uh, man, oh, it's so good. It is so uh, freaking good. There were so many moments in this movie that because I haven't watched this in decades, plural, 20 plus years, possibly more. There were so many moments watching the movie where I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie, I think one of the reasons I didn't watch it again is because it's actually a pretty scary movie. Yes. Uh, If you're a a kid and, you know, when the NASA guys, I didn't remember the guy coming up in the NASA spacesuit. That was so stupid. I don't know why they did that, that it. One of the few moments in this movie that really broke me out of it was when they knock on the door and a guy's in a full moon spacesuit for no reason. Um, but that scene where they're raiding and they're coming through the windows and it gave me that uh, that first Close Encounters vibe, you know, yeah. of the, the houses this time haunted by people. Um there was the scene with the frogs that I completely forgot about, but the shot of the frogs at that girl's feet as Elliot is being taken away, it, it brought it all back to me. Um, so my, and for once it's not comedy, my closest relationship to this movie, to tie this back to Hitchcock, is actually at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. So I've talked about Hitchcock and why I got into Hitchcock was really this Hitchcock uh what do you call it it's not even a ride but like showcase like experience universal sort of thing. experience that's a good word and it affected me so much well they have ET the ride and there were so many moments I'm like that's like in the ride 
that's like in the ride and certain music cues hit me. I'm like, that's the music they play at the end of the ride. Um, it, it, like at the beginning of the E.T. ride, you go in, they take your name. And then at the end, E.T. says your name. Oh, really? Goodbye. Oh, that's fine. Jeffrey. Eric. <laughs> goodbye. You know, so me and Matt would be like, oh, our name's Poop Butt, but they would never fall for it. Right. Um, yeah, so that's where all the nostalgia came in. So I think this is the first time I can remember watching this movie and not being scared of it. And, like, I think I watched it young, and it messed me up because there's some very horrifying moments, like E.T. in the river, um, you know, the the raid on the house. All the adults are like shadowy figures except for mom. They are, yeah. I, I, I put a note about that. It's like Charlie like Brown. Like the teacher specifically, all you ever see is the teacher's hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the government people too, they have no faces except for mom. Not until late in the movie when E.T. dies, um, which we'll get into. So I definitely was swept away by the movie. Um, I think the finale is better than Jaws. Yeah, I I think the last 30 minutes or so of this movie are some of the strongest filmmaking I've, I've ever seen. Incredible like, it, shots with the tube and the people inside. The guys and, in the tube, that's exactly and what I'm thinking away. of. Like, it's so iconic to me. And I'm I, I having, again, this movie's not one of my favorites just before this and just so many moments i'm like i remember this it's taking me back um that was just so wonderful yeah it is it's, it's full of wonderful moments and and like you said it's full of creepy moments too uh one thing that i picked up on this time that i haven't really picked up on before because i just kind of glaze over for it uh those opening credits even are kind of creepy it's that stark purple font on a black mm-hmm. background, and instead of like the ET theme or anything, it's just yeah. this pulsing kind of synth music. Almost, I, and I was like, wonder this how is like, people as hell. going in thought this was like Close Encounters too. Well, yeah, absolutely. And in the scene, I remember specifically being ten years old in the theater and seeing the scene. Uh, and and when I when I think of this movie, this is the scene that I picture in my head. This is the iconic shot to me. But the scene where Elliot goes outside for the first time to get the pizza, and uh, he throws the ball into the little shed there, and the ball comes rolling back. And I'm not sure if it's at that point or a little later, but he gets so stricken by fear that he can't talk. You know, and it's like that nightmare. Like, I don't know if you've ever had the nightmare where you're trying to scream and you can't. And he's like, Mom, Michael, you know, and he can't get it out. That scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Like, my parents almost had to take me out of the theater, I think, because I was so freaked out by it. And then I settled down, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, it it doesn't shy away from scaring the kids, you know, which I think is uh, appropriate and healthy. (laughs) (laughs) okay um yeah so the movie opens right with D &D. and you i think you had mentioned that this movie and maybe something else kind of brought D &D back into the fold it definitely yeah kind of gave it a renaissance or at least an initial boost of popularity it did it did and uh that's i think I think this movie is the primary reason why you see D&D in Stranger Things also. 
um, because you know that that show is kind of a mashup of Spielberg and Stephen King stuff all smushed yes. together, you know. And uh, but yeah, this this movie definitely uh, brought it to the fore of culture. Like if you didn't know what D and D was before, you certainly know what it is. Uh, you know, after seeing this film, because it's like it's the big the big opening scene is them playing D and D and smoking. Surprisingly. <laughs> I do like this sort of natural scene around the table. I like that his mom is bending over and the other boy starts to move his finger toward his butt and his her <laughs> butt and his friend's like, stop it. You know, natural, just wonderful stuff. Now, one of these kids, uh, I swore, was the older brother from my memory, um, which was C. Thomas Howell's character. Okay. Who I recently watched um the hitcher oh, have you I seen love, the hitcher of course i've seen the hitcher and that stars c thomas howe and i'm like oh it's the big brother from et okay i was wrong um the big brother is not played by him but it, it that's all i could see when i saw him was the guy from the hitcher um so i i, I where do we start i mean do we get into henry thomas uh the young Drew Barrymore. What do What do we do? I mean, I, I'm perfectly happy to start with Henry Thomas, um, because I I am hard pressed to think of another child performance as strong as this. Like the only other thing that I can think of that was maybe this good out of a little kid is The Sixth Sense. Um. Uh, yeah, I because I could point to Haley Joe Osment. I think of Freddie Highmore in uh, Finding Neverland. Yeah, uh, he's. I think he's older than Elliot, though. He. he yeah, I, I recently watched the first Harry Potter film, and what those kids oh, are doing in that film—they stink. It's just like it hurts your soul. Like the, the those films go up in quality very quickly as you move through. Yeah, but that first by the one, third one, you're like, oh my gosh, this is living. Yeah, yeah. That first uh, totally. one is painful, you know. And so I had that fresh in my mind watching watching Henry Thomas, and I think I think what they're asking this kid to do all in the this kids film, are good. Like nobody, Drew Barrymore's good. All of his friends are good. There's the guy with the headphones, Greg. And then I forgot what Steve's thing is. He's sunglasses, I guess. Sunglasses guy, yeah. And then C. Thomas Howell's hoodie guy. Um, and they're a crew, and it's great, man, when they, at the end, get E.T. Is This is E.T., and they're like, oh, shoot, it is an alien. And then they're just all in because they back up their buddy. Uh, that's exactly it. right. I, like, they nail that dynamic of your friends being down for whatever. Like, yeah. we got you, you know? And uh, I had friends like that when I was a kid, you know, like my neighborhood friends. Uh, and I, like, I set the swimming pool on fire when I was a kid. And rather than Ooh, tell my parents, nice. I went to my friends, like, I set the pool on fire. <laughs> and they're like, we got it. You know, like, we can, we can handle this. We can do it, you know? And, uh, let's build a crazy ramp we got it you know um so that dynamic but we've talked a lot about like the kids in the spielberg movies and how realistic they are and and and, like how he gets these naturalistic performances out of the kids but this is the movie where i think he really nails it like there is not a false moment out of these kids and 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 like the scene at the end where henry thomas has that monologue 
and he's like saying goodbye to E.T. And he kind of gets this, yeah. this little sing song thing going on in his voice. I don't know what I'm going to get. It felt like so real to me. Like that's how a kid who's been crying is is going to talk, you know. And the range of emotion on display from this kid, I mean, it's just timeless it's epic it's it's yeah. like this kid like we got to support this guy for the rest of his life for doing this you know um and, and, and like you said the older brother is excellent drew barrymore is excellent like just her little asides through the movie and she is like ah the scene where et is home and she's trying to introduce her mom to et is so good and the line where this is et and she hits et with the door and i think you killed him already <laughs> Oh God, it's so good! Like, my, I that was amazingly delivered. So funny. My favorite Gertie moment is when they're sitting around the table and Michael, the older brother, is trying to, uh, trying to figure out what Elliot is seeing outside, and he's listening through stuff like maybe it's a coyote. Yeah. She goes, "It's a coyote." He said, "Maybe it's a deformed kid." And she's a deformed kid, and I've spent the last 20 years walking around just saying a deformed kid apropos of nothing just because it kills me yeah i it it's the star i, I mean was what movie introduced drew barrymore was it this i think this was it yeah I, okay i think this was it and then because then you go into fire Firestarter starter and, and yeah all that other stuff um yeah but yeah i think this was the first one and uh man just so stellar excellent so stellar uh, across the board with those kids d wallace's mom awesome man uh, d wallace has a career did you have you looked at her imdb no, like I got it right here so she she started like this is probably her biggest film you know and, and, and <gasps> she was in critters she was in critters ah, she, she was, was in cujo she was in cujo she was is she the, the leading cujo what's that is she the lead in she Cujo? She is. She's the mom in Cujo. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after E.T., like, I think she kind of, like, as far as, like, visibility peaked with E.T., and I think she's just excellent in this movie. Like, for such a... The whole Halloween day. Oh, it's so good. Like, she really just, she goes from, oh, look at my kids, they're adorable, to being mad at her husband, being in Mexico, or her ex being in Mexico, just... Yeah, yeah. I will say she's not the best mom in the sense that she couldn't tell the difference between E.T. in a ghost costume (laughs) and her daughter, who is several inches taller than E.T. And less wide. Yeah. Nearly a foot taller, probably. Um, But but. After ET, like she has worked this entire time. Like if you look at her IMDb, it's like it's like ridiculous. She never stopped working, you know, and she's still working to this day. She was in Critters. I love Critters, but I haven't seen it in forever. But yeah, another another like really really good performance. And again, before this, I've always just accepted Mom as Mom, you know, and. No matter how old I've gotten when I watch this movie, I still experience the movie through the lens of Elliot. And so mom is just this older, mysterious person, you know? And yeah. and this time, like, I realized, like, God damn, I'm probably, like, 20 years older than this lady, you know, at the time that this movie was filmed. And so kind of watching it through 
and, 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 and seeing her as an adult character just trying to like hold it together you know yeah. like her husband has just left her with this other lady and gone off to Mexico and she's got these three kids and they all have their own needs and she's trying to handle like juggle work and you, you know she you see her making decisions like I gotta leave this kid at home alone because there's nobody else here to deal with this why would she take her in the car that's what I don't get oh Gertie like yeah well yeah when yeah, that is some anyway. that is some straight up uh, '80s shit right there, man. That like '80s parenting, '80s parenting for sure. Like I absolutely remember <laughs> that sort of thing. Like I was ten years old, and my parents would leave me at home alone when I was sick. Like for sure, absolutely. I would uh, yeah, never. Yeah, I seem do to remember that, that too. Kid, you know, but back then, yeah, totally. Say no TV as they who, walk out the door. Who was mom waiting on on Halloween day? Because she was dolled up dressed up and then at the end of the evening she is angry and driving off i so i'm imagine she's waiting on a date of some kind i i thought she was just waiting on the kids to get home like i i thought that she got all dialed up because that's just what she does and she loves halloween she's gonna hand out candy she's gonna wear her costume and i bet you in the past like dad would take them trick-or-treating and she would hand out candy or vice versa but i think at the end of that scene She's waiting for them to get home. Like she tells them be home, you know, before dark yeah. and she's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting and they don't come home. And then Elliot just like never comes home. And so I think she's getting angrier and angrier at the kids for, for not, you know, following through and doing what they were supposed to do. I will say, you know, definitely distracted by her life not necessarily paying full attention uh, to what's going on with her kids. I mean, clearly they've got this alien living under her roof and she, you know, is exposed directly to it and doesn't really register what's going on. Right. She's somewhere else. But I will also say that out of all of the parents we've seen in Spielberg's movies, this is the first time that I haven't like, cringed and said oh, i think she's bad you know like yeah like one of my running <laughs> themes this entire time is like are, are they, they a bad, bad parent parents. are they a bad yeah. parent they seem bad to me she doesn't seem bad like no. she yeah. she seems overwhelmed and tired and hurt and you know just trying to keep her shit together but i don't like i definitely think she really really cares about these kids that scene where elliot comes in after being out all night you know the relief yeah. that she registers when he comes walking in um goes to anger and then back to ah, how's my baby you know yeah yeah the, yeah and i just think like like she's overwhelmed like the kid is drunk at school you know and she just yeah. doesn't have time to deal with it you know like there's there's so much she's going like, are you on. sure you have the right elliot <laughs> Like he's drunk at school, but I, I guess uh, that'll lead us into the actual titular character of E.T. Um, I, I think I'd start with how do you feel the special effects uh, on E.T. look the actual puppetry? I think the actual puppetry is 90 percent excellent, 10 percent. You know, there are a few yeah. there are a few long shots where they bring E.T. out and it's clearly the less detailed E.T. model and it's just like derp you know it's just sitting there looking yeah. all Mac and me non-expressive and then they go for a close-up <laughs> and, 
and it's it's like really really good and expressive yeah. and so on and so you know there there are a few shots where the the puppet doesn't necessarily work but i think for the most part uh it's really good like it it feels alive and you know like a piece of that is maybe just me willing to kind of suspend my disbelief a little bit um could they do it better now sure if they stayed away from cg which they wouldn't you know they wouldn't right um so and one of the things we've talked about is the practical effects not aging and i think that's still the case i think the things that looked bad now probably looked bad back then and the things that look good now still look good uh, i mean he et looks good uh, but it is not the plant from Little Shop of Horrors, which is amazing and correct, pretty much perfect. Um, now they say uh, Elliot does that. Et is a male. I don't think Et with, is a male. I think Et is an it. Yeah, and I think that's just more um, Elliot putting uh, the. Oh, he's my friend. It's got to be a male. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's just a, yeah. a kid a kid assumption, you know, that it, it has a deep voice. <laughs> it must be a boy. I think E. T. is uh I think there is no correlation. Like I think it's so alien, you know, it's a miracle it has eyes. You know, like like it could be Well, it's still humanoid. It, it could still be, has a neck and a head and arms and legs. Yeah, kinda. But I mean is it part plant? We don't know. Like one of the one of the guys briefly yells about how its DNA is so weird compared to human DNA while they're while they're doing all the tests on it but, and stuff. Yeah, and they're treating it, uh, ET the same way they would a human. All right, O2, we got O2, put oxygen. You know, like when they have him captured and he's sick, or it's sick, or they're sick, they're putting all the tubes in his nose as if. I mean, I guess breathes oxygen. Certainly has a heart. Maybe, uh, that's maybe, not in question here. Maybe breathes oxygen. I mean, Elliot's screaming, you're killing him, you're killing him. You know, like... That's true. We don't know why E.T. is sick and dying. Yeah, It never really gets to the bottom of it. Is, so, it, is it something in the atmosphere? Is uh, my theory is allergic that, to water? Does he just need to be no, near his own this people? isn't signs, okay? <laughs> not allergic to water. I love signs, but... I love signs, too. Uh, um... My theory as to why E.T. gets sick is that it has to do with how his species works, whereas that community and closeness actually keeps each other healthy because it's clear that E.T. has healing power, yes. but that same healing power binds E.T. to whatever he heals. Two specific instances being the the flowers that represent E.T.'s health state and then Elliot himself. Yes. And it binds him to Elliot emotionally and to the plants. The If, if E.T.'s dying, the plants are dying. If E.T.'s feeling better, the plants feel better. So my thing is, is I think that E.T. is bound to his people. And when they leave... That is what causes E.T. to get sick. I, I'm, and I think E.T. dies in this movie. I'm for that. Like, I, I yeah, I can I can kind of get that because I mean, essentially E.T. is an empathy machine. Right. And and in turn generates empathy through other people, you know, like Elliot 
is already perhaps in a state where he's going to be empathetic towards the alien. But there's like some supernatural alien voodoo going on there that is giving Elliot exposure to E.T.'s physical state, emotions, so on and so forth. Like they are linked. So I can kind of see like E.T. existing within a web of empathy with all of its compatriots on the ship, right? Well, like I'm thinking of something a little more literal in that he heals Elliot when he pricks his finger. Yeah. He heals the plant. Yeah. We see him heal things twice. Oh, I think he never ever heals I think the empathy like I think the connection between them starts almost immediately. Like and in the very first scene where he brings E.T. into the house, they both yawn at the same time. Like, I I think the psychic connection between them starts, like, as soon as that thing hits the house, you know? Yeah. like and, and, and I think it builds over the course of the movie, but I don't know if it's necessarily tied directly then to the Then how do you explain healing. the plant? Well, he's a botanist. He's there, like he's there working with plants like the very first scene time you see his hands he's pulling trees out of the ground right so he's gonna yes and and yeah i mean the plant i mean the plant obviously is showing his okay. state reflecting so his we'll state keep through. going down that train and i and again i'm going to fight for this point because i believe it to be true okay is that like i said he heals the plant he heals elliot it binds them to each other i'm with you that uh they yawn at the same time could be uh right before that though uh, E.T. is mimicking everything that Elliot does, so it could be mimicry. And also, the yawning is naturally contagious anyway among human beings. Okay. If one yawns, the other yawns. Anyway, okay, so then let's explain that E.T. continuously gets sick in this film until essentially he gets captured by NASA, of all people, and they're treating him, and he legitimately dies, at least according to human science. And nothing can wake him up until his people start coming back. Okay. And then that's when E.T. comes back to life. The plant comes back to life. Now, the... So, okay. So you think it's the return of his people that bring him back to life? I think that they are connecting back to him. Okay. Because... What happens is here's so they they have Elliot and E.T. They're they're doing all their science on each other. Uh, NASA is and Elliot is also getting sick. And Elliot is telling him, stay, you know, you could stay with me. I'll take care of you. But E.T., I think, lets go of their psychic, you know, supernatural link in that point. And. Elliot was keeping E.T. alive. He was feeding off of Elliot emotionally, maybe not understanding that Elliot is a different creature. And when he let, but he realizes that Elliot is dying. And if he lets go, Elliot will become healthier and E.T. will die. And so E.T. is no longer connected to Elliot and dies. And then his people come back and they connect to him and E.T. wakes back up. So you think that he was basically. I, I don't want to say using because that that's a bad connotation, but uh, he was like Elliot was a substitute for his connection to his people. And he was draining Elliot like a battery to keep going until he could get his, you know, connected back with his people. 
I think that there's a because their their illness seems to parallel, and I think that ET is used to just this is what you do with people who are friendly. Yeah, you link with them and you share life force, and I think he does that out of a, a natural. This is what I do. This is how life works, and it doesn't work that way with Elliot. Okay, I can I can kind of get behind that. Like I, I always considered it just a point of like Elliot stayed in lockstep with him just because they were so tightly connected. But I definitely am following your train of thought here, and I think it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, it does because it's great. Now, what I'm not what I'm not into is the <laughs> connection being established through healing. Like I feel, but then yeah, I think the plant represents no, that. I understand. I, I, yeah, I get the plant. I understand the plant. I, the plant is what I'm <laughs> tripping on But here. he was already, Elliot was already connected with E.T. before he cut his finger. Like, the scene before he cuts his finger, he's out in the garage with Michael and they're talking about Dad taking him to do the popcorn and all that. And, yeah. and then uh, Michael says he's not looking so good. And Elliot says, what do you mean? We're fine. And Michael's like, ah, what's this we stuff, Kimosabi? Like, why are you saying okay. we all the time? You know, so I think at that point. So the, the school stuff, did that happen before he heals the finger prick on the saw? Ooh, yeah, I think it was shit. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but not today. My like friend. I will. I will concede that perhaps the healing, the act of healing tightens the bond. I'll, I'll, I'll sure. I'll, we'll I'll go it. that. I'll go that far with it. Okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, that's what I thought. Uh, so, um, where do we go? What, what What's next? What are we talking about? Well, I mean, I, I just think the film making itself, uh, I noticed so many cool things this time around that I hadn't noticed before. Um, the, the whole opening half of the movie is so misty and smoky and kind of mysterious. Oh, yeah. And in like, I take, they're in like Northern California, that, that part is established um, both by the the giant trees out in the forest. And there's that one shot of Elliot riding his bike and you see these like husks of dead trees behind him, which I yeah. had never noticed before. And I was like, oh man, those trees are ridiculous. It's so cool. Um, it's also established when he points at a map and says, we are here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but what all that smokes allows for is just insane amounts of lens flare, which I had never picked up on before i didn't really notice that it is like really really like star trek prevalent you know have you seen the new star trek films how they just like jj abrams uh, like super overindulges in lens flare in those films yes i have it is uh it, it's like that level of lens flare going on and it gives the whole thing kind of this like otherworldly heightened uh atmosphere which i thought was very cool um, I don't know. I don't know. It was just, yeah. it was just something that I picked up on this time. No, I, I loved when he's outside and the mist is rolling in and all of that. I've never experienced that in my life, uh, but I've lived in Florida the whole time. So I don't know if it was in a, of course they're in California, which is just a less humid version of Florida. I think maybe, I don't know. Never been there. Um, <laughs> it's movie mist, you know, like, yeah, it's movie mist. <laughs> like it gets foggy here in Ohio. Like there are days, uh, when you wake up and you go outside and you can't see your car. Like, yeah. like that does happen. It's not common. It's like once or twice a year. 
God, I remember Christmas Eve two years ago. Good God, it was the foggiest I've ever seen. It was like Stephen King, The Mist, like apocalyptic fog. I've never seen it like that before. So anyhow, that that does happen. I think this is like an exaggerated uh, version of that. Like even even the scene where Elliot goes over to the sink and he starts doing the dishes and he turns on the hot water way more steam comes up off yeah. of that hot water than should really was, be there. They like flip on the steam machine. And it starts he's like, going to burn his hands in there. Yeah. But I, that scene is one of the moments where my brain was like, you remember this. It like opened up a part of my brain that had closed. Yeah. It's like in my brain, I remember it, but I haven't had to access that part in so long. And it opened it up. Um, so, other special effects not so great here. Um, I think that's fair. I, th- I think the, that's fair. The hovering of the Play-Doh balls uh, when they're flying on their bikes, which is iconic, and you get the amazing John Williams score. And I think this is the first. No, because we did Raiders, I guess. But this to me was like full double barrels of John Williams. Oh, straight to the um, face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, more so than than Raiders to me even though Raiders has its iconic score this to me was like all the action beats and the the music that happens when they're writing their like on the final chase sequence when they're riding around I love that chase sequence so much where some of the kids go down the hills and they're bouncing and and I love the scene too when his older brother is running from the blue car and he just uses the mobility of the bike to get away and he outsmarts oh, them. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I thought about that when I was a kid. Like, what if I'm getting yeah. chased? Where am I going to go? Which fences am I going to jump to get away? What's the secret path that I know through the neighborhood that I could get away from people? Like, I think, I think every kid, like, I don't know if you grew up in a bike area. I did. Like, I biked everywhere. Yeah. We all had bikes when I was a kid and like, at a certain point in my life, and I'm kind of very, I, I almost feel like I'm missing a limb now because at a certain point in my life, my bike was like a part of my body, man. Like I could do crap on that bike that no human should be able to do, you know, like, and so them tapping into that, you know, kids' relationships with their bikes and, and uh, how, how That's he- their car, man. It's their car, yeah, and how yeah. he knows how to get around and maneuver and, and how they just instinctively split off from each other and then uh, get back together. And that scene where they, they land and they actually hit the landing and one tire after another skids out, they're just like- Oh, when they ride <laughs> over the cop car? Oh, it's Give great. me a break, man. That whole sequence is so good. And I wanted to say- I never would have picked up on this before, obviously, but the scene where they're coming over and I'm using my hands. You can't see them. I mean, uh, they're coming over and they're going down the like hills, like the layer of hills. I was like, this is Sugarland Express. This is what yeah. happens at the end of Sugarland Express with those cars coming over, you know, like coming <laughs> over those hills. Those cars got tore up, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can pull it off on the bikes a lot better. Um, yeah. But yeah, that chase sequence is so good. And what really put the movie over the top for me was that sort of almost stand by me brotherhood that even though you didn't get a ton of development with him and his friends you got enough yes right um and i love the relationship between elliot and his brother you know because at first it's contentious you know he's making mom cry why don't you think about someone other yourself by the end of the movie he's team elliot all the way you know, and the other guys um, are too by proxy. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you can tell, like 
it's the beginning of the movie. They're kind of like, Elliot, uh, no, you can't play. You know, you get out of here. Go get the pizza, you know. Yeah. And, and then by the end of the movie, like, they show their true colors. And it's like, no, in reality, we're down. Let's do it. You know, yeah. and and that's the real relationship that they have. They're with- running from the cops. They're running from NASA. Those are your homeboys right there. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe it's by proxy because they're so tight with his brother. But, you know, when when backs are up against the wall, they're going to be there and do it. You know, they steal a car. I mean, <laughs> not all of them, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like so the finale is where all this iconic imagery comes in with the tube going into the house and then the house has like a, a tent on it. And so the house actually becomes this sterile place yeah. for them to work with E.T. and and all of that. Um, it's interesting because throughout the movie, you're seeing the government mobilize, but you're not really sure what they're doing. And it's not as irritating as it is in Close Encounters. There's a lot of there's a lot of like I want to compare E.T. with Close Encounters. And this is one of the main points. Uh, I felt like Close Encounters spent too much time with the government guys and not telling you what's going on with them, right? Yeah, and, they're all faceless here. And in this right? movie, and, you get flashes of them just enough to know that they're there. Like, they're closing in. They're figuring it out, you know? Like, they're hearing these snippets of conversation as they're cruising the neighborhood, you know? Like, they're zeroing in on on what's happening they're a shadowy force. They are a shadowy and, force. And at, at points even literally when they first start walking up to the house and you get that great shot of the house with the long shadow of the man standing there approaching the house. Loved that. Uh, but then when it comes right down to it, are they bad? No. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that they are bad. Like, I don't think that Key's... The guy with the keys, Peter Coyote's character. I call him keys because yeah. that's what they call him in the book. Uh, I don't think that he is a bad guy. You know, I think he shows some real humanity in the way that he deals with with Elliot. I don't think that what they're doing is necessarily benefiting anybody, you know, but they also are coming at it from this perspective of like, is this thing carrying diseases? We don't so know. Is, like, what's like? Is it radioactive? We don't right. know. What sort of spores are these people infected with? You know, like they have no idea. And so when they do finally, you know, bring down the hammer and, uh, you know, coat the house in plastic and bring all the shit together, you know, uh, they have to definitely approach it from a very clinical and distant way, just for the safety of all mankind you know like is this thing bringing covid we don't know you know uh but are they necessarily bad i i didn't get that from this movie like i i i see them as a threat to the relationship between elliot and et but i didn't necessarily see them as like an evil force right you know like yeah i mean the first thing they do is try to save et yeah right so and then at the end of the movie when the ship comes down they're just like, oh, we're not, we're not even going to mess with this, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just, we're so just take a step is back. Keys the same guy who like talks to Elliot and holds his hand and says, "I've been waiting for this my whole life." Yes, same guy. Okay, because yeah. I wasn't sure if he was someone else, um, because he's so sympathetic to them. Uh, 
there's the scene too when Elliot and his brother take off in the van with E.T. where he goes up because his mom gets that note and he's going to go follow it. And he's like, where are you going? And Drew Barrymore just <laughs> kills this moment. She talks too much. She's like, we're going to go. They've got E.T. We're going to go follow him to this place. And she just spills her guts and her she's, mom's pushing her off. It's a great moment and they, they go and chase. But uh, She's like a perfect five-year-old in this movie. You know, like yeah. she absolutely, she is utterly undependable you know like absolutely will not keep secrets <laughs> just gonna yep. just like blather on about whatever comes into her head um but yeah yeah i i i don't know i i feel like the the theme of empathy in the movie even extends to those government people you know yeah, I, f- I can get behind i that. feel like they have empathy i feel like they're empathetic you know, like, I feel like that keys guy is there for the right reasons, even if his actions aren't necessarily helpful. I feel like he's he's there to try to help at the very least. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't I don't think there are bad guys in this movie. I, I think it's able to maintain but they, from the kids perspective, though. And even as a viewer, as a kid like you as an adult can look at that and say, I understand why they're doing this. When you watch it as a kid, well, okay, let's talk about the guns, right? You mentioned before that in certain cuts of the film, the guns have been replaced with radios. In my cut, the guns were guns. The guns were guns in my cut, too. Yeah, apparently. Mom even says, no, not the guns. They're just kids as they approach the van. Yeah, they. Um, they, uh, I, I was reading about it. Apparently, Spielberg regretted his digital meddling. And has stricken that version from the record and gone back to the Good, original cut. as he should. Let it live as it should, yeah. George Lucas. Um, or at least leave other versions out there. I, you know, yeah, at least leave access to the original. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that would be the only point where I'm like, okay, are they really that good? They got guns. Sure, they boosted a van, but anyway... Yeah, I mean, but at that point, we don't know even, like, who these guys are. Like, at that point, like, the government is there, but there's also cops and, you know, like, all sorts of other... That's true. They could be someone other than NASA. Exactly, yeah. The NASA police force. And and I don't even... I'm not even 100% sure they were actually NASA proper, you know? Like, does it say NASA anywhere? One of the vehicles that was chasing them just said United States government on it. (laughs) Right. It didn't even have a department of the government. It was just we we're the government. We'll call them Homeland Anti Alien Security. They're, they weren't any of that. Yeah, they were the Men in Black, maybe. Um, yeah. So I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked all the the eighties ness. I liked the tone. I liked the relationship between Elliot and really everyone else in the movie. I was a huge fan though of his big brother and his crew. For some reason, that that sequence at the end just put it over the top for me. Uh, with them me too. Working together, loved it. It is it is so strong. And when it really kicked into gear, I actually thought about you, and I was thinking like, if he was having doubts about this movie, I think this is where it's gonna. I did want to watch it. I did, like you. You said you know you just seen it last year, and I'm like, I remember not liking this movie as a kid because it scared me, and I just was like, I don't want to watch ET. I've seen E.T. and but I watched it through. I'm like, dang, this is a good movie. It is. This is good, but it also added to me the the 
credence to the idea that Spielberg directed Poltergeist. Because as I'm watching this post-Poltergeist, I'm like, this feels like Poltergeist. It's pretty Poltergeist. Just some of the shots and his style in this era. And I think at some point, this this might even be the last time we get this sort of family movie from him that he just nails. Yes. Uh, I, I think that there are attempts to do similar things in the future. I think this is like the pinnacle of this sort of thing. You know, yeah. it, like it, in... He didn't direct Goonies, but he was directly involved with Goonies. And that's another another film that has like a strong kid presence and that feeling of the gang and stuff. But like but those Goonies, to those me, kids I don't think feels like Spielberg. those kids like, feel like movie kids. Yeah. These kids feel like kids, you know, and right. that I think is the difference. Like go- the Goonies behave in ways that real kids wouldn't do you know no kids have pinchers of power like data no kids are out there like building these contraptions to open the gate like like that's not realistic these kids in this movie are realistic like i after this movie i felt like i knew these kids you know they feel like kids that you grew up with yeah and i think that's that's the piece that he nails in this movie and it everything else just works as a result of it I agree. Totally. So um, I'm going to do I want to move this up to first place? I don't know. It's a tough call. It's a it's a way it's a much (laughs) tougher call than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, I'll have to make that call later. Yeah. So I got I got some questions. I'm glad I always appreciate the questions corner. Number one. This is the first thing that came to my mind. Is E.T. Spielberg's apology for having Roy leave his family in Close Encounters. Nah. Is it a response? Maybe not an apology. Is it a response? I Is it the but, other side of the equation? No. No, I don't think so. I think this is too much hard in it to be some sort of answer to some past sin. Uh, the closest I could say, the thing that reminds me most of Close Encounters is the ship Yeah, that E.T. comes on. Uh, but that's the only thing. I mean, to me, I, I guess you could say this is more of the family sticking together sort of alien encounter. It, it just struck sure. me watching this like, oh, this this is what happens to the family after the dad just up and leaves with no explanation okay you know like this these are the people dealing with the fallout of the disappearing dad and and you know being able to like zero in on this family and their emotional state after the dad who's just absent in the movie he's only mentioned a few times because he just bailed uh like i don't know like i i would have never made that connection ever before we started doing this podcast but then there's one shot. There's one shot in the movie where they show a goddamn model train in the living room. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. "It's the yeah. same guy. It's the same guy. <laughs> What's up with these guys building these model trains in the living room? So, <laughs> like, guys who build yeah, model trains that, in the living room are clearly unreliable." Uh, Dreyfus had three children in that movie. Yeah. Okay, I'm here the with girl you. Was the, youngest, the, the girl was the youngest, and then they had yeah. the, you know the the middle boy, the and, two boys, and the older boy, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> Maybe it's the same world, but different groups of aliens. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, I I can get there. Okay, yeah, All right. that works for me. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, if you had been Elliot in real life, if you had been in Elliot's position, would you have been brave enough to befriend? Hell ET? no. Right. Um. Well. <laughs> I think my brain would have broken when that thing came out. Of I think I would have been just screaming until I just dropped dead of a heart attack. Like when that thing comes walking out of that shed and it's like, <laughs> like, like scooting towards yeah. him a few steps at a time. Like I would have just lost my I shit. I have to think about it. I don't, cause when I was a kid, it's a I was demon. like into snakes and like i have this memory of i've always known that if you leave bees alone they won't mess with you i just and there was a nest of bees out behind my mom's work and they were going crazy and swarming and i said i'm just gonna walk through these bees never touch me because i wasn't scared of them so i don't know i think my adult self would certainly leave (laughs) i think my kid self might have been a little braver it might have actually at least like Tried to do what Elliot did, put the Reese's pieces down and see if, see if it's wants some food because food tends to befriend things. Like when I see a dog, as an adult, I'm like that thing's dangerous and I go away. But as a kid, I think I was more of the, ooh, I wonder if it wants a treat. Yes, I think that's true. So yeah. I, I don't, I think as an adult, I would certainly be like, hell no. But and like you said, does it have COVID? I don't know. I, I think I would have just been terrified out of my mind, like. I think in in reality, as much as I like the idea of friendly aliens, I think I find the concept of aliens to be utterly terrifying. Like, like I like the idea of aliens existing. I believe that there is life on other planets. Absolutely. Like, I think it's very egotistical of us to think that we're the only ones. I, mm. I, I have I've mixed feelings about whether or not technology exists that could bridge that gap between the stars and so on. But I, I find the idea of seeing an alien in real life as terrifying as the idea of, like, looking into the face of God. Like, I find it, like, just absolutely mind-meltingly terrifying. Yeah. There's this scene in uh, Whitley Strieber's Communion where the main character, I think it's Christopher Walken, is in bed and he's looking at his doorway and this little alien face just comes, like, kind of peeking around the edge of the doorway that shit it's a terrible movie it's not a good movie that scene haunted me for years years yeah. i couldn't look at the doorway while i was asleep because i'm like that damn alien head is gonna come peeking around the corner Do so you i think had i been ha- elliot i'd have been throwing rocks and screaming and praying and like <laughs> yeah because i remember seeing aliens at a young age i think even in the theater oh wow uh what year was aliens 87 uh, you'd have been pretty young yeah, i think that right sounds like about right uh my because my dad didn't care uh gotta love aliens. Listen, i love my dad don't 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 86 i might have seen it somewhere but i have very distinct memories of a face hunger coming out of the vents in aliens at a young young age and it terrified me yeah um do you have a movie that maybe you saw too young <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. 
Um, like a first one? Because that's the one that always comes to mind for me was Aliens. Uh, I'll have to think on it, but I'm sure there were ones yeah. that I saw like over at my cousin's house because their parents didn't give a crap. My mom was very strict on what we watched. Like she wouldn't let rated R films in the house, you know, like, um, but I would go over to my cousin's house and they, their parents just blah, like they just didn't yeah. care. And so, yeah, my parents divorced when I was two. So my mom was the strict one at least like PG, PG 13, maybe. But my dad was like, whatever. Like he took us to see Terminator 2 when it came oh, out. That's awesome. It blew my balls off. Of course. Like, that was a different kind. That, that, we went to that. I was like, holy shit. That's one of those that you just want to turn right around and go see again as soon as it's yeah, over, right? Like, absolutely. again, again. That's awesome. Uh, that was 91. I would have been 11. Oh, my dad was awesome. Because um, that one I definitely saw in theater because I remember what theater it was at. I remember, like, it was at the end of the hall. Like, you know how you go down a hall and it's yeah, got yeah. all the different theaters? And it was the last one. And it, it just, and I'd never seen Terminator 1. I knew nothing. I was like, we're just going to watch this. I like Schwarzenegger. Uh, and I think that's what turned me into just a, a Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, Stallone kind of kid. Oh, yeah. I was like, I just l- couldn't get enough. Yeah, I mean, that um, movie in particular just melts your eyes, man. It is so, like, the first time, there's no, it's like Jurassic Park. There's no replacing yeah. the first time you saw that movie. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. It's near perfect. Near perfect. Uh, what are you got? Any other questions? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what does ET smell like? Dirt, earth. You think so? I think he probably smells like earth. I mean, when he first gets off the ship, it's whatever sort of because it's a lot of earth on that ship. There's a lot of mushrooms and uh, one really crappy yeah, looking plant a, made out of pool hoses. I saw, but yeah, go ahead. He could smell like mushroom. Like, uh, I've smelled some pretty funky mushrooms in my days. Uh, I mean, he could, he could definitely have a funk, but it wasn't so strong that at no point in this movie, nobody went, what's that smell? Yeah. Like they kind of ignore it. He's downstairs and you know, Drew Barrymore's trying to get mom's attention at no point. Mom was like, Oh, it stinks. Like, so I don't think he smells that bad at all. Yeah. Like when she goes into the closet and he's hiding there amongst the toys, like she yeah, doesn't he's just earth yeah she doesn't make a, a, a i don't know like looking at that thing it's a little it's a little mucusy it's a little <laughs> it's, a little it's not as mucusy as some other things it's true it's true but it definitely has a sheen to it you know yeah like, I don't well, know. it was cold out and there's all that fog we were talking about yeah i guess maybe it's just moisture i think he smells fine all right um do you think E.T. is extraordinary amongst E.T.'s with all of his superpowers? Or do you think that's just standard operating procedure for that species? Well, based on my theory that I posited previously, I I think that is, as far as the supernatural side of things, I don't think he's special in his group. I think it's... all of them have that ability, and because of their sort of linking, their maybe te- telepathic or spiritual linking that they have with other people, they automatically build empathy naturally yeah. because they experience these other's emotions. And so when you get someone who lives in a community like that and comes to a place where that's not true, 
he could seem otherworldly, but I don't think so. Okay, so you think they can I all they can all manipulate of objects those... with their minds? They can all establish this psychic link. Yes, can all... I think based on my theory, yes, and I think if any of the other ETs stayed, it would have been the same film. Gotcha. He is he is he is one they, one they are pod one. among they... the many pods. Yeah, or I mean, there could be different personalities. Sure, you're saying they're like Borg. But... No, because Borg are, don't feel. Yes, you're right. You're right. Um, because I think the difference here is that they feel other people's feelings. And so, therefore, they treat each other the same and take care of one another because they recognize each other's humanity. Granted, they're aliens, but there's no other word for it right now. Um, so, no, I think that the... The movie pretty much stays the same. Maybe the other alien doesn't like the flavor of Reese's, and that changes the entire movie. But, you know, I think as far as superpowers go, they're pretty much the same. Okay. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here. Oh, good. Is E.T. canonically part of the Star Wars universe? That is a question for someone who cares a whole lot more than I do. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I I like Star Wars just fine. I don't care because <laughs> you know he, I don't care. He goes after Yoda. He recognizes Yoda, and in in the Phantom, but then he says, "Home." In the Phantom Menace, there's a scene where they're in the Galactic Senate chamber, and there's a pod. There's an ET full okay, of ETs. Yes. Yeah, then it definitely is. So is E.T. strong with the Force? Is it a race of Jedi? That this is a good. These are good questions. <laughs> As someone who doesn't care, these are great questions. Um, can Jedi heal each other? I, no, I don't know, like Jedi have like lots of hidden powers that we don't know about. You know, like like Luke Skywalker can project himself across the universe onto a different no. planet. Like I think like Jedi powers kind of manifest in different Jedi in different ways, you know. This is going down a path I don't want to go. I just <laughs> I don't I don't want to dive into Star Wars rhetoric. Um I think now that we okay, we've seen the ETs in Phantom Menace. Yes. So sure. They but that's a long time ago. In a galaxy far, and this far is the away. Future, right? Right. Compared to that, right. So, I'm just saying that 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 through that we sure. can extrapolate that Yodas are still and around. And then that in maybe that's day. why that ET is can move the levitation and stuff. But I think right. the healing he is strong with midichlorians. In all of that is part of their race, and the glowing hearts in that symbiotic relationship with one another, I think, is part of their alien nature right fine there we did it you made me talk about nerd stuff <laughs> not that i'm not a nerd i get it but i just star wars fans are the worst i appreciate you I indulging just... me i'm sorry <laughs> star wars is the but best, sure man. why not i mean there's proof there's enough film proof for right it. right 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 all right cool that's all i got that's all i got so oh, what's good. up what's up for us next Okay, so now we go back to Indiana Jones. What about, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Do we go back to Indiana Jones? Isn't Temple next? I thought Twilight Zone was next. Uh, were we doing the whole Twilight Zone? Aren't we doing Just the whole Twilight Zone? Just because there's that one. I mean, we can. I've, 
I thought the Twilight Zone. He didn't Zone... direct that movie. He did a short. He did. I don't want to watch that crap. Come on, man. We're Get doing the thing. I didn't want to watch E.T. We're doing the thing. Like, <laughs> he right. directed a section of the Twilight Zone. I think we can do. So we're going to watch the whole oh, movie. Yeah, then. I can't. We can't just then watch the Then we got to talk about section. all the terrible, horrible things that happened on we set. We don't have to go into it. Everybody knows. We have to talk about the children that were decapitated by a helicopter. Everybody knows about the dead kids in the helicopter. We, we don't have to go into it. We acknowledge that it happened and it was shitty. But we can look at the movie uh, as a standalone thing separate from the helicopter. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But I think that it's possible to examine the movie and kind of remove that from the equation. Uh, okay, so, well, we're putting off the Indiana Jones to watch Twilight Zone. <laughs> Granted, uh, I like the one on the plane. It's awesome. Isn't that? There's like great John stuff Lithgow? in that movie. It's John Lithgow. Yeah. And, and your Dan Aykroyd uh, shows up. Like there's, there's some. Oh, Dan Aykroyd. Okay. All right. There's some good Fine. stuff in that movie, man. We're watching Twilight Zone, the movie next. Um, so you can look forward to that, you maniacs. Uh, what else? Okay, so you you could go, if you want to check out more from Eric, you can check out thegamingnexus.com. I think it's just gamingnexus.com. It is just gamingnexus.com, yeah. Uh, he's on Twitter at Eric underscore Hotter. All of that, links in the description. He's got a YouTube channel, all that madness. If you want more from me, there's uh, the Movie Draft House, where we talk about other movies in a more angry way. Uh, there's also Budget Arcade where we review free to play and uh, independent video games. All those links are in the description, as well as my Twitter account at Podcast by Jeff. We're gonna watch Twilight Zone the movie next, and then we can watch Indiana Jones. You're acting like you're looking forward to Indiana Jones. You know, this is the one Not, with Willie, well, right? Well, I actually kind of am because. We discovered through the course of this podcast that maybe I'm not an Indiana Jones fan. I'm just a fan of Last Crusade. Yeah. And I've I've thought previously that Temple of Doom was my least favorite. But having said that, it's also the one I've seen the least. Well, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull I've only seen one time. But I am kind of excited to see that one again. Plus, we had talked about having a guest on that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. but we'll do Twilight Zone instead. Oh, it'll be good fun. It'll be good fun. Why rush Pick it? The can is not good, by the way. If I remember correctly, it's one of the most boring stories in the movie. It's the worst part. Oh, I th- but I guess we need to. Talk I about seem it. to remember liking it when I was a kid. But uh, we need to talk. Hey, man! At least I'm not saying, "Hey, we need to watch episodes of Amazing Stories." I could. I could. Ooh, be like, we need to go into I Amazing do love Stories. Ama- no, we didn't do TV. No, we didn't do TV. There's a lot of TV that he's done uh, outside of just the Man, TV I loved movies, Amazing but... Stories back in the day. Oh, the music. Uh, it that just... theme song? <sighs> it's a banger, yeah. man. Oh. And what was... I'm trying to remember one of the stories that I liked specifically, but... Oh, was that the one where the guy was dressed up as the mummy? Yeah. And there was a real mummy going around? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's real good. Yeah, that's a real good one. The one that I remember Spielberg directing is the black and white one about the guys on the plane uh, in World War II, and they don't have landing gear or something, and they're trying to... Oh, yeah. That sounds real familiar to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. Well, anyway, um, I guess that's it. I don't... Like, my enthusiasm has been tempered because I thought we were watching (laughs) Raiders. Not Raiders. Whatever. Have a good evening. 
or, or morning. morning or day, whatever, Have a good whatever day it is work. for you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks for the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Bye, y'all.